Part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. All right. Hey, uh, hey, Carl. That's our listener. Hey, Carl. Thanks for joining me. The Peaches is not going to be with us. She said that she was going to uh, be able to join, and then she sent me a text and said that she's not going to be here. And so I'm just going to confess right up front that uh, Mandy's not going to join us, and I know that many of you will tune out because the only reason you listen to this podcast is for her, and uh, so I just want to be upfront and honest. Um, but before you leave, you should know that Taylor Mason – is here. Uh, say something, Taylor. Hey, everybody. And uh, the reason she's not here is probably because I am. So yeah. she's like, oh, she I'm not I'm not working with him. I'm out of here. She does not want to be in the Associated, same right? virtual studio as Taylor Mason. That's not, not true. Uh, so Taylor sent out a email I don't know. Last week or the week before, Taylor. Yeah, it was, it was my it was my newsletter on my website, TaylorMason.com. Uh, I send out. I do a monthly newsletter, John, like many of us do, and mm-hmm. uh, and that was the heading. I believe was comedy. I think that's what I titled it. It was. It was very short and succinct. Yes, and well, John. You no, know, so I've learned with these. You know, uh, newsletters and all actually all internet related. Shorter is better. I think eight hundred words. The, the the gentleman that runs Bill Weil, who runs my website, very very smart, on top of things guy, uh, works for a co- his own company called Webbird, based in Pittsburgh, and he does websites, etc. And he's always after me, you know, because I'll write these two thousand word manifestos, and he says, you know what, nobody, what people want is a, a three minute read online and you know what i get that so i try to get i try to make everything as you said succinct uh 800 words 900 words if we hit a thousand words i've got to start editing like crazy but right part of the as you know part of that newsletter that comedy thing was about editing which is our job we are to edit and uh so uh, that's a loose way of getting into what we're going to be talking about today yeah well i have been accused of writing long articles when they're 300 words i've had people say this is very long and yeah compared to a compared to a tweet yeah it is pretty long but people are people are not really into reading anymore like they used to be i think i think two things i think i think you're right john i i think that and for those of us who are in what would you call us creatives or communicators, whatever, influencers, whatever you want to call the people who like us who do things online. Lunatics. There you go. Gazillions of us doing this. We we like to think that we know how to use words. We like to think we know how to communicate. And, And honestly, I always feel like, you know, I edit these things down from a few thousand words and it ends up being 850 words. And then when you post it, some, I know LinkedIn among others will, it'll say a three minute read. So, and that's probably is right. It's probably, but as you just said, 300 words is probably a minute and a half read, but I'm sure there are a lot of people, you know, I just don't have a minute and a half. Right. To to read. read People don't read. People People don't read anyway. They're, they're, reading is a skill, and a lot of people don't have that skill, and so they don't read because they're not good at it. And let's so, talk about that for a second because I I think you're right, and of course I'm right. <laughs> well, and part of the 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 proof is in the pudding. A little bit is it's never been a better time to be an author. And there's another thing that I can attest to because I've published I, I'm published twice, and. I've heard this from the people, Penguin Books, Avon is a division of Penguin Books who published one of my books, and they there have never been so many authors, there have never been so many books 
written as in the last 20 years. There are more and more. But to your point, a lot of the books that are really popular are very simple, uh, you know, very uh, lots of Harlequin romance. Uh, you know, the uh, there's a there's a genre now called trauma porn, which is about people overcoming or dealing with incredible uh, physical and or emotional difficulties. And the book is all about that. And people eat that up. And right. it's almost as if same with Harlequin romances. You know what you're getting. You don't really have to be a good reader. There aren't lots of four syllable words. You know, two syllable words are almost you're you're almost pushing the the limits of your readership. Yeah, that's, that's you know what I mean? Threshold, right? So why do they have to put the word porn at the end of it? Why why do they have to call it trauma porn? Well, you, you know why? But <laughs> the, 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 why would you put the word porn in any? Uh, especially something that doesn't have anything to do with porn. Right. And the reason for that, why would it, people use that? Why would people do that? One, to catch your attention. And two, it's considered kind of edgy. Oh, you know, using porn in a way that is, is not related to what it's really about. Oh, that'll get people to stop. And of course, right. I just <laughs> fell into that <laughs> trap right on this show. So, <laughs> Well, but people, but but that too is the reason people can't, People don't read, people don't process, people don't know what words mean. They know what porn means, and so you see something like trauma porn, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go in. But but all of that is part of the problem. The, the, the People don't understand how words work. People don't know how – people have been manipulated and gaslit um, by folks that do understand how words work. And so, yeah, people, people would rather watch a video. Most people would rather watch a video than, than read a few paragraphs. And they want that video to be short. They want a 30-second video that they can just whip, they could just consume it and then scroll past it. And so communicating, which is what we do, is becoming, uh, I don't know that it's ever been easy, but it's a, you have to communicate differently now than you had to communicate even 10 years ago. And certainly oh, even, 20 years I ago. think even, even four years ago. Yeah, I think that's probably become, true. I think it's become, and now it's a real art. To get, I want to do. Um, I you know I want to do um, a parody of uh, you know a Taylor Swift song. Well, you can't do the whole Taylor Swift song for a couple of reasons. But one is nobody's going to sit there and listen to you do the parody of the entire three minute and forty eight second, which has already been it's too long. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. you're, it, you've got a minute and thirty to get the, whatever the lyric you're going to write, whatever the point you're going to make about her. She's, um, she's, you know, Taylor Swift, um, you know, she just broke up with a boyfriend and that means, uh, two new albums. So now how can I put that, that concept into a, a song and, and you'll take a riff from one of her songs and that will be your, and you have, you know, a minute and a half to get that whole thing out. Right. And, and I just spent more than a minute and a half just describing, right. what, you know, <laughs> but that's our job. I guess John is well. It is, but I, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you about your uh, recent your recent newsletter because what intrigued me about it was you were sort of uh, thinking out loud about uh, about being asked uh, to remove certain things from your act. Right. You know, there's certain certain uh, censorship, editing, removal of various things in your act. And I'm, I don't necessarily, uh, doesn't really matter what those things specifically are, but from a, from a Christian perspective, um, what is, how do we process that as Christians? How do we process being asked to censor? Because on the one hand, um, as you said, you're getting paid, you have a contract. And so somebody is paying you to come in and do the thing that you do. And so they have, a certain, uh, they can expect that they, that they can have some sway over what it is that you're going to say. Right. What they you're talking about that's is reasonable. what we're talking about here is they have a brand, it's a company mm -hmm. and they have a brand that they're very conscious about and they want to protect the brand. And particularly now in the midst of an, in, an incredible, almost overwhelming change that society is going through, whether you want to admit it or acknowledge it or 
deal with it or not, we are going through an incredible change. Everything from gender to the way languages use to race to sports to what you're allowed to say and not to say. Mm-hmm. So let's just get into the meat of what of what you want to talk about, which is as a person of faith. Let's just talk about that because what are things that I do not ever do on in performance or in creative content? Well, I say it for, here's simply put. I stay out of the bedroom for the most part as much as possible, and I stay out of the bathroom. So after that, after those two things, there are other, uh, you know, social mores that I stay away from. Uh, And I'm trying to think off the top of my head something that would be, um, well, I'm I'm not overtly political in, in live performance. I'm just not. That's not so much separation of church and state, but I think, you know, if you want to go see somebody talk about politics all the time, then, you know, I would suggest watch late night TV hosts and you'll get your fill of people talking about politics. If you're going to see Taylor Mason, I might make references to politics during my my hour and 20 minute program, whether I'm in a church or a theater or a comedy club or a you know, whatever gig I'm doing, uh, but my show is not going to be, it's not overtly political. You're not, not going to come out. I'm not Dave Chappelle, you know, uh, right. where my entire act is all about trying to create tension and talk about, and, and talk about uncomfortable subjects and, and make people see them from my point of view. That's not what I do. Well, and even that being said, even that being said, you are still being asked from time to time to remove certain aspects of your, of your act, which right. I think is, which I think is interesting. I've worked cruise ships. You've worked a lot of cruise ships. You've worked more cruise ships than me. I, so, well, you know, I work the, for one. I work for one cruise line. And you know? on the cruise lines, they, they used to tell me that, uh, because this is an international audience, there's people from all over. You're not allowed to do any America stuff. And that doesn't mean cool. that you can't talk about life, but you can't do any rah, rah, patriotic America's great. You can't do you can't do that on the cruise ships. Oh, that would, so, upset, that would upset you know thirty three percent of your clientele on some of those right. ships, right? And so, so you have to do that, which isn't a problem for me because I'm not really a, a patriotic comic. But that is that is a circumstance under which I would would agree with you, and I would say, yeah, if, if they're paying me to be on the ship to entertain these guests, their parameters are. No patriotic America is great material, so I will, so I can set that aside. But then there were also on the cruise ships the understanding that I was going to do a quote unquote blue show, you know, for for, for some of the. I don't know which line. Yeah, I, I know that you don't work for those lines, but there were some lines where they would say you're going to do a family show and then you're going to do an adult show in the evening. Well, now I have a dilemma. Because yeah. now they're now they're asking me to change my act in a way that violates my conscience, and so so that was what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about where the obligation to honor a contract um, versus when, where it overlaps and violates your conscience. I mean, what do you do? What do you? How do you proceed? Right. Okay. Well, first of all, let's break that down. To the essential, I'll boil it down to the essential elements that make that make up what we're talking about. So, before before I work, before I work, regardless of where it is, regardless of the venue, and I I I do a lot of cruises for a company that's very well known. And I'll put it this way, just so everyone understands: most cruise ships are a cruise line. Carnival Cruise Line is a part of Holland America. Then there's Norwegian, there's Princess, right. there's Crystal, there's all these. I work for a cruise line. That is not a cruise line. It is an entertainment company, a giant, mega international uh, conglomerate uh, entertainment company that just so happens to have five boats floating around the world. And so I work for them. So even with that, so they do not want any quote unquote religious or faith based content coming out of my mouth when I work. Interestingly, though, 
when I'm in the, this big theater backstage, I'm before every, no matter where I am, I always say a prayer. I always have a, a I have a particular prayer that I, and I, I don't ask to be funny or brilliant. You know, it's mostly just uh, allow me to do the best that I can do and allow me to reach as many people as I possibly can. It's something on that order. And right. uh, 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 Jesus help me. And that, so I do that wherever I go. So as a, that's the first thing. So that means that now, and when I'm, so to my point is, when I go on stage now, I'm going on stage with, regardless of the fact whether the audience, and this is for corporate shows, comedy clubs, everywhere, theater, I am representing myself and I am sticking to my faith regardless of everything else that happens. I am going to be true to that. Mm-hmm. So what happens? I think this is your question. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mr. You know, devout. Um, now they're telling you this, and this was specifically what I was told. Do not mention the word lawyer. You're no longer allowed to use the word lawyer, which of course for a person of faith, I mean, that's right in the Bible. I mean, they, Lawyers are not spoken of highly in the Bible. Right. And uh, I was also told not to mention the word Washington, D.C., which right. to me is not a political not – a, that is not a political statement by saying – just saying Washington, D.C., right. because there are people in Washington, D.C. So I thought I was being clever in that regard because, well, they can't say that I'm being political because I'm not – talking about politics i'm just saying washington dc and there are many people who live in washington dc who are not political well the person who watched this program and and um told me not you know and and you know went through all the the different uh permutations that it takes to get the message back to me i was told in no uncertain terms don't say that word and i was also told don't make fun of of a lawyer of lawyers. And that's funny, John. And I should say this too. So when I do the routine about lawyers, I have a pig puppet and I bring it out and I say, the pig is an attorney. And this is what I, this is the whole routine. Just so you have a vibe. I say, look, everybody, I'm not saying all pigs are lawyers. And I'm not saying that all lawyers are pigs. I would never say that all counselors at law are swine. That is not what I'm saying. Just so we're all understanding Right. All I'm saying is this particular pig that I'm holding right here, he passed it's the a, bar. Right. So that was still found to be so – I, and you see what I did? You see what I – you understand what I'm saying. I mean I've gone a long way around trying to boil this down to the essential. But that is how I thought in those two instances that I was getting around what I had signed the contract. I promised not to – Oh, no. Taylor's oh, phone just – yeah, yeah, stupid. So um, I, I promised not to make fun of these people, and I signed a contract, and then I tried to get around it, and I got caught. But my feeling is, and this is what I said in my newsletter, fine. You know what? As a person of faith, I don't have a problem with my employer telling me, look, we don't want you to do this. We don't want you to say this. And I here's another thing I want to talk about, John. I guess you could say, well, you're a hypocrite, and maybe so. And and I hear that a lot from people who are not people of faith. You know, Christians are hypocritical. You're so hypocritical. And this is what I say a lot, John. Yeah, maybe that's true. But you know what the thing about people of faith and the church is, and people who who follow Christ, it, it's a very human thing. This is a very very for us. This is a very human thing. And what is more human? than hypocrisy. It's all around us. It's everywhere, no matter how you and so if you're gonna tell me that I shouldn't be hypocritical, well then then I can't be human is what you're basically saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? And again, it's maybe an I'm interesting going justification for hypocrisy, but uh... <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before you go that far, everything for me is a rationalization with with all this work. Okay, with all the anything work related. Not so much right. personal. We're not talking about that. This is all work related, and yeah, there. So I'm constantly trying to rationalize whatever it is, whether it's my definition of hypocrisy or what we're just talking about, where I I've been asked to change content. One right. more thing before I I I also am brutal to bankers in my act, just because of what's going on. What I have a, another pig, and this pig is a bank. 
Right. Um, he's a vice president. He's one of 5,000 <laughs> vice presidents at this bank. I mean, I'm brutal to Vegas. And, and right. during the act, there's, there's lines like, um, he's never going to get it. Why not? He's a banker. You know, there's lots of stuff like, there's lots of, that is not, there was no problem. So now I don't know. And now I'm not supposed to make, but you, you see what I'm saying? They, they told I, me, do. I, I do. I'm not allowed to make fun of lawyers. Okay, I took that off my act. But man, I'm so much meaner. And of course, with the banking situation that's going right now, the the pig says um, something to the effect of, yeah, I'm a bank. The way things are going, I'm going to be the last bank left in the United States. You know, and and the adults are cheering. And I I get away with that. And then the other line about the attorney, they didn't. So I don't know. But, But there's the whole, there's your whole that was kind of the gist of my entire newsletter. Right. Well, and I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to imply that I was that I was coming at you and calling you a hypocrite because it was kind. It was kind of the opposite. I am. But I kind I was, of like that anyway, John. So well, I, I like sure, you when you when you're I, I'm trying to sympathize because because I do I do sympathize. I understand that you that you sort of walk a tightrope and you are you're being paid to do a thing, but then on the other hand, and this is where I tend to sort of lean this is this is where i lean is when you hire me to come in and entertain your group uh my stuff is out on the website now my stuff is on youtube and so i'm a known entity your stuff is on youtube you've got you've got specials everywhere you know so you're you're a known entity as well and so if somebody comes to somebody comes to me and says we want you to come and entertain i'm gonna go Okay, but then when they follow it up with, but we don't want you to do this and this and this, uh, I, I push back on that now because it's like, well, then why, why do you want me to come and entertain? Why are you? You've got a, good, you've got a very good point, John, because – and I think as a person of faith, your thing is, well, wait, I'm not lying to you. This is who I am. You must have, you must have seen something that you – oh, this is who we want. This, this, this man, very open about his faith, what he believes, what he thinks. So let's get him. <laughs> That's so but, insane. But please don't but, say any of these things. That this, right. Oh. right. And, so it's, and so it's like compare that to any other, any other profession, you know, where you've got somebody who's, who's going. It's like, it's like having a uh, – uh, you know, a, a chef. You have they have a chef come in and cook at your house. You know, he's a five star chef and everything. It's like, yeah, we don't want you to use any uh, oregano, and uh, we don't want you to make anything with ham. And it's like, okay, well then, why did you have me come in? Why are you if if you have this specific list of things that you want to do, then then do those. But of course they can't because okay, they, and John, they don't have the so skills. This is, this is what I. So you know what. Let's just go back to the Bible for this, just for a moment, all right? So I'm just going to bring this back to the Bible. And call me hypocritical if you want to, buddy. I'm good with this. Listen. <laughs> Do you want my, me to? My, Would that be feisty enough? And so yeah, that well, adds a little energy to I the... think feisty should be in your resume. I don't really, okay, really want to call you hypocritical, but if you want me to, I'm happy to do that. Okay. So My favorite book in the Bible, all right? My favorite book in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. And I, I don't think I'm the only, let's call it, just for, I don't, for lack of a better word, creative. My wife, who's also a creative, and, and I use that term for people, oh, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I've got so much stuff going on here, it's so stupid. But my, my wife is a creative. So she was a, she was a, a friend of ours, and she... Um, she mentioned the way she talked about um, what does your husband do? Well, he's a creative. And the woman said, well, nobody said – nobody uses the word creative to describe people. But I do. I think – and I think it's a good word for musicians, actors, writers, comedians, blah, 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 blah. Creative people? Yeah. No. Yes. So Ecclesiastes for us to me is – now, the, the reason I, I first – started reading Ecclesiastes because I was at Reverend Burton's Presbyterian Church in Clarendon Hills, Illinois, some 50 years ago and or longer. And I was in the bathroom and Reverend Burton came in with my dad 
And Reverend Burton said to my father, I was in the bathroom. They didn't know I was there. And Reverend Burton said to my father, Bill, that's my father's name. Whatever you do, don't let Taylor read Ecclesiastes until he gets out of high school. That, so you know what I did, don't you? You went and I found mean, Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I was like 12, 11 years old. So, oh, this is the greatest, you know, because it's it's despairing. I mean, Ecclesiastes is, but yeah. a lot Jeff of Allen it is, likes it too. I think that's his favorite book too. So uh, yeah, he and I have talked about this. Yeah. And he and I have talked about this and for kind of the same reason, because if you on face value, like, oh, this is this is so dis- depressing, but it's really not. It's very much real. You de- basically, you know what it is? Deal with it. So you come in there and I guess this is where you and I differ. You're coming. I'm working for these people. And Tim Grable, who, who books me, has done this a lot. Well, we're going to do the the National Blank Association and they are, they're going to be a tough group, but they're paying you, you know, six mortgages. Right. So we're going to go in there and here are things you can't, here are the things you can't say. And it's a laundry list of your act. It's like, well, this is, this is my entire show. Right. How can we do this? I don't know, but you're going to, and it's basically Ecclesiastes. Okay, fine. I, I have, I'm nobody. I'm not worth anything. I'm going to still figure out how to make this thing work. And, right. and right. in my, my, in the gist of my newsletter is I just feel like that's my job editing, re-editing, I guess in, in this context, you could call it hypocrisizing, but, or rationalizing, but I don't, you know, I really don't mind. I really, and I'm serious about this, John, I don't mind, um, being told, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. Oh, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to find something else. But I right. do want to say when I when I get that, you know, let's be honest. I want to say, okay, that's fine. Tell me why it's okay to be so brutal to the banking industry right now when they're in a hemorrhage and the whole industry is going to fall apart. But I'm allowed to go ahead. Oh, let's make fun of them and make them feel worse, as if there are, you know, as if they're, and and so the 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 ecclesiastical person in my in my mind thinks, well, this person probably has a good friend who's an attorney or is married to an attorney or right. brother is an attorney and is sticking up for them. So that gets X'd out. But the bankers, oh, what the heck? Who cares about them? They're a dime a dozen right now anyway. So boom, we can go ahead and rip them to shreds if you want to. <laughs> well, and like I said, I have, I've done it. And there is a, there's a difference between, and this is what I wanted to talk about. There's a difference between um, editing and uh, um, backing down from issues of faith and taking things out of my act. You know, my right. act is not sacred. My act is not scripture. And so if somebody says, yeah, we don't want you to do that because we think it's going to offend the audience, then okay. But here's the thing that is true nine times out of 10. When somebody who doesn't know comedy and doesn't know my act comes and says, you got to take this out and this out because you're going to upset the lawyers. The lawyers are going to be upset. That person is wrong nine times out of 10 because you've done your act a thousand times. You know what works. You've honed it. You've shaped it. You've crafted it. You've made it razor sharp and you know where the laughs are. And so if you do a joke about lawyers, it's going to get a laugh. If it didn't get a laugh, it wouldn't be in your act. And so for somebody to come along and go, well, you've got to take this out. Why? Because it's going to offend the audience. You don't know what you're talking about. The audience will go bananas, especially if they're lawyers. Yes, there's going to be one person or two who have zero sense of humor. And that is who we are now pandering to in our culture. And there's nothing we can do about that because you you, you got to cash the paycheck. You're right. And, And I kind of alluded to that earlier. I've got two things I want to talk about to you with you right now about what you were just talking about. Okay. The first one is I used to do actually three things. The first thing is, I don't know if how much of my act you've seen over the years, but I used to have one of the most popular parts of my show was a sumo wrestler. And the, the sumo wrestler was humongous. It was a beach ball. His belly was a beach ball. And the puppet builder, Marianne Taylor's genius was, I said, it has to crush down to fit into a bag and then it has to blow up when I go on stage and she made this thing so that you would put a beach ball. There was a slit in the small of the back of the puppet of the, yeah. of the sumo wrestler. I stick a beach ball in there 
in the green room in you know comedy clubs, and there'd be this giant puppet, and I'd be over it blowing it up, which <laughs> led to lots of you know worry I'm about. Sure. It. Oh yeah, I'm okay. Sure. So yeah. so um, but uh, Tim Grable uh, <laughs> a couple years ago. Yeah, stop stop doing the visual, please, please. <laughs> So, um, uh, and you can't even that. put that in your act because you don't talk about the bedroom. So, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, Grable says to me about ten or twelve years ago, "You know what? We got to take the sumo wrestler out." And I'm like, "Grable," and and Grable knows his business, yeah. and he's, he's like a, a booking manager, whatever. I don't know what you call Tim Grable. He's a a comedian. He finds places for comedians to work. Right. So he said, "Look, you got to take the sumo wrestler out because you're gonna." It's going to offend, and this is a very, I mean, he's Baptist, so, you know, but he said, let's just, let's just cut to the chase now, Taylor. It's going to get us in trouble sooner or later with somebody is going to be offended. Take it out of your act. And I fought it, and I fought it, and I finally, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, and my point of that is, it was a very popular part of my show, right? but I dropped it out, and I think for good reason, and in this case, Mr. Grable was correct. Second thing I wanted to talk to you about. One of the pigs in my show. You hear that, Tim? You're correct. <laughs> yeah, one time. Okay, so the second thing. I had one of the pigs speak Spanish. One of my pig puppets speak Spanish. So we're at the Denver Pepsi Center. And, the, and this is relevant because the Denver Nuggets are playing as we speak for the NBA championship in this big arena out in Denver called the Pepsi Center at the time. And I'm up there, and I do my act with Paco, who is, who is a Spanish-speaking pig. A woman in the audience, this was at, during the Bill Gaither homecoming tour, a very Christian-based, faith-based, very devout people coming to the tour, and a woman in the audience heard the pig um, said, I, in Spanish said, I love all Mexican people. The woman in the audience heard the pig say, I think all Mexican people are pigs. So she runs up, not to Bill Gaither, she runs up to the manager of the Pepsi Center and demands to see me. This is so great, John. So show the, 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 the service, the Bill Gaither concert ends. And they would take a break and then come back for a second half. So we're backstage, we're, we're you know, offstage, we're in the bowels of this big arena. There are 20,000 people there. And somebody... Come from the arena comes over and says the manager of the arena wants to see you. I of course think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get booked at the Pepsi Center. At the Pepsi Center, yeah. And so I run up to the office and here I am, and who joins me? But this little 60 year old man, Ben Spear, a gospel singer, comes up with me to see. Just to I see know what's going Ben off. Spear. Yeah. Okay, you're going to love this story. You're going to love this. So now they're going to want me, and I get up there, and this woman is there with her husband the general manager of the Pepsi Center and two other staffers, me and Ben Spear. And the guy says, uh, this woman has something to say. And she looks at me and she says, you called all people of Mexico pigs. And I said, no, no, no. I, I really, yes, you did. We heard it. She looks at her husband. Her husband's standing by the door with his arms folded and looking at the ground. <laughs> this is where, this is, this is the classic. Okay, so now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And how am I going to get out of this? How? And I don't know how to edit it on the fly here in this moment. Right. Ben Spear says, ma'am, you've got it all wrong. The room goes silent. And this little Ben Spear, who I don't know really at all, he's a gospel singer, says, look, right. lady, the pig actually is Chinese. He's not even Mexican. <laughs> he speaks four fluent languages. And he's actually an attorney. He's brilliant. And he, all he's doing is he's doing lines that Taylor wrote for him. Now, Taylor would never write something like that for the pig, right, Taylor? And I don't say anything. I just nod my head. The <laughs> husband is laughing out loud and just walks out. And the woman defines, stares daggers through us, and she stomps out of the building. I look back at the general manager and she said, ah, we're done here. So I run back down and we finished the concert. Right. Isn't that great? <laughs> Ben Spear, ben Spear saved the day. Saved Look, your bacon. Lady, <laughs> that's going to be the title of the next newsletter. And but isn't that great? Look, ben lady, Spear saved my bacon. The pig, the pig isn't even really. He's not Mexican. He speaks no, for. He's, he's Chinese. Chinese. He's Chinese. He's a Chinese pig. So oh man, you've got oh, it. It, just, it was. It was so perfect. And 
the way he did it was just so offhand, gentle, and all right. he was talking about, and they stomp out, and that was the last I heard of it. That was the last you heard, yeah. Yeah. Well, th- that that happens all the time. You know, people yes. think they hear things, they misconstrue, they get it twisted, and, and so they... And, and they hear so, what they, well, you'll no. Yeah. What you're saying is, a lot of times, people hear what they want to hear, even right. when we're, and even if they're the only one in that audience who hears what they thought they heard, no matter right. what the other. And you've probably seen this where you know you, you somebody in the crowd will shout, "You said shut up," and the guy said, "No, I didn't," and the crowd will turn on the, the audience member, "Shut up!" Right. <laughs> Just let the guy do his act. Well, you have, but. But then we bring this into the context of of Christian people. We're people of faith, and so it's not about it's not about necessarily winning an argument or winning the audience over to our side. It's a, and you know this. I'm not telling you this. It's um, it's about being truthful. It's about it's about finding truth and saying true things. And yes, we're we're funny, but comedy is also truthful. It has to be. And so if you are um, asked to take something out of your act. That's a much easier call than being asked to put something into your act. Oh, good point. That violates your faith. Mm. And, and that's where, um, Mm. that's where I wanted to go. Okay. What do we do when the cruise ship, for example, says, Hey, you know, we want you to do an adult show. Are you, um, are you violating the contract when you don't do a quote unquote adult show? I've had corporate shows that have hired me. And the the guy who brought me in said ahead of the show, he goes, we're all guys here. You can just cut it loose. You know, we're not, it's not nursery school. So whatever, how, wherever you want to go, we're going to go with you. And it's like, "Mm, Mm. um, you, somebody, if this is what you thought you were going to get, I'm not sure how I, I ended up here. But um, but right. you get asked to do things that are not uh, that are not necessarily part of your act, but the client wants you to do them, and so yeah, and and you, that's a a lot of that has to do with um, profanity or mm-hmm. or profanity plus bathroom slash bedroom uh, humor, which right. and so I think that's an uncomfortable position to be in. It's almost yeah. I have been in that position as well, and that happens to me less and less now, because when I work for that adult show, what I found is, for that group, there is a way to do it without. Uh, what would be what's the word I'm searching for? I've got to start using prevagen. Um, <laughs> without violating or you know, uh, rationalizing uh, yeah. ourselves. There, right. there's a way to do it, and a lot of times that you know that kind of stuff is for me. What is adult humor? Well, adult humor is uh, talking about the banking situation, talking about uh, topical, right. not so much politics, not making right. fun of the president, not making fun of you know specific Republicans or Democrats, but making fun of the uh, uh, the entire genre of politics, the situation, the economy. Um, let me think right. of a, let me think of an example. Okay. Um, for example, you're in Mexico and the, the U.S. Navy shoots down a Mexican spy balloon. But all the children are happy because candy falls from the sky. Right. Okay, so that's kind of like a, an adult style. Well, he's talking about something topical, spy balloons. Um, but instead of just making it – you're trying to find something funny about it so that it's kind of an adult humor. I, I don't know if I would do that in front of kids because they wouldn't even know what I was talking about. You know what I mean? So, um, but I, I guess there's a way to, to get around that. And I guess that's kind of like, that's kind of our job is, I don't know how you dealt with that. Uh, it's, it's well, the, I got asked to do a PG-13 show, <laughs> um, a few years ago. That was specifically what it said. And it was actually Grable that booked me to do it. He called me up oh, and said, would John be willing to do a PG-13 show? And I said, absolutely. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I looked it up. And again, knowing that when people ask you to do a specific thing, because the audience is going to appreciate it, knowing that they're wrong nine times out of 10, I apply that to when I get asked to do a PG-13 show. And so the contract read, you know, quote, our people like to hear the F word once in a while. 
tell us about the contact set. Oh. <laughs> and this is, so I I took a copy of the contract up on stage with me and I started my act with my name is John. Uh, I'm so happy to be here and I'll tell you why. Because uh, you guys, I've never worked for an audience quite like you before. And I said, I got ah. this contract. Let me to read you what the contract says. You know, we, we want a PG-13 show, not an R-rated show. But our people like to hear the F word once in a while. I read that. And they started to laugh. Of course they did. They started to laugh because someone is talking on their behalf for them. And I said, we live in such a divided culture, you guys. We, every, we can't get... We can't agree about religion. We can't agree about politics. We can't agree about anything. But you, people, you, beautiful, heroic uh, people, have united around hearing the F word once in a oh, while. Oh, that's very funny. And and then it, we were off to the races. You know, it's like they that was a that was adult humor, but it right. wasn't vulgar and it didn't have any profanity in it. Um, and you and mentioned the F word, so you know you I mentioned, mentioned the F word, so you fulfilled your your contract, your contract, <laughs> right. and you were right. true to your faith. So, yeah, right. that's brilliant. I'm jealous. Well, I said I I read the parameters to a PG-13 performance. I got those off of a website, and I said, so here's what you can count on. This will be PG-13, and I want you to stop me if I if I violate uh, any of these rules. I said all of the violence will be bloodless on yeah. stage. Uh, I will not use the F word more than once. I didn't even use it once. Um, and I said, and all of the nudity will be sexless. And I said, <laughs> I said, I've been married for 32 years. My nudity is always sexless. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And so, so my point is that I, I'm, I'm with you and I'm, I'm really not trying to call you a hypocrite because I think that we, I, I understand, I empathize with your position of being paid to do a thing. And it is, right. it would not be Christian to sign a contract and, and basically make a vow that this is what I'm going to do. And then to not do that, to violate Good the point. contract is not Christian either. And so um, I've had a number of conversations with other comedian friends of ours christian comedians who were like well if they're you know i'm going to go up and preach i'm going to go up and say what i believe is true and it's like that's fine as long as you didn't sign a contract that said you weren't going to do this and this and this but if right. you violate that contract then you're you know your 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 preaching is going to be completely undermined by your lack of truthfulness and honesty um but that being said there comes a point where the, the Christian people, um, and we are, uh, we creators, to use your word, which I like, yeah. um, we're out front. We're the ones who, who do the best job of communicating of ideas. We're the, we're the, we're the best ones of putting words together and, and putting ideas together. And so I agree with you 100% that our job is to figure out a way to as the culture continues to restrict us and, and the forces of evil continue to say, you're not going to jam your religion down our throat. You're not going to talk about this. You're not going to talk about that. Our job is God willing to, uh, to be creative and to be clever enough to go, all right, you can, you can close as many doors as you want. I'm still going to figure out a way to make people laugh and to say the truth. Yeah. And, you know, very good. And so you and I are in agreement on that. I didn't know how, when you said, let's talk about this, I didn't, when you said first you wanted me to talk, I didn't know where you wanted to go, but I'm, I'm glad to hear. So you and I basically, when it comes down to the, to what the nuts and bolts of this are, you, you know, you want to be true to your faith, obviously, and you want to represent that part of your life, obviously. But I, I do think that there is a way, as you said, you can figure out a way to make it work. There is a way to make it work. Now, I'll, I will say this too, and not to get on a high horse, because I think that I fail a lot. I fail a lot. I think if, you know, just writing jokes, a nine out of 10 don't work. And so I fail a lot. And, and so when I think, to, you know, I say, oh, I'm going to make it work. I do eventually, but there's a lot of failure that goes into finding when I finally figure out, Oh, you know, it's going to work in this particular case. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a song 
or I'm going to do a, uh, a thing with a new puppet, or I'm going to do whatever it is that I'm going to do. It sometimes takes me a long time to get from point A, I'm going to change, to point Z, where everything is working great, and now I'm fulfilling all the parameters of my faith and who I am and who I want to represent, and fulfilling the contract that I signed my name to so I get paid. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm... I'm uh... I'm impressed, and and I got to give mad props to you for dropping sumo out of your act. I think that was a uh, that was a very brave thing to do, and very difficult. It had to it had to be hard to do. Oh, yeah, I had I had people tell me, you know, I, that that was the best part. Of, but you know, it's that was the best part of your show. But when I when I say that, I used to do many years ago. I used to do a parody of the Flintstones theme song, which was. Oh, I got the idea from Dinosaurs of Rock. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the Flintstones theme song was done by all the dinosaurs of rock? So the Rolling Stones, the Who, Elton John, Billy Joel, name anybody from the 70s and 80s. And I would do a parody of the Flintstones. And I probably did that song, John, for 15 years. And then I finally said, you know what? It's a killer thing. And people loved it. But it's very similar to people who work in in piano, like dueling pianos. If you ever talk to dueling pianos people, the songs they can't stand playing are Sweet Caroline, the white person's <laughs> national anthem, and this song called uh, Mr. Brightside by the Killers, which I, I don't know why that song is so popular, but they can't play because that's all people want to hear. Right. And I would have people... I just remember one time at Zany's Comedy Club in Vernon Hills, Illinois, I go up, I do my hour, and complaints after the show. Brian Dorfman, the club owner, oh, we got complaints. I'll go talk to him. So I go, and here's this family of eight. We drove here from Winnemonka, Minnesota, to hear the Flintstones, and you didn't even do it. And I said, yeah, I dropped it out of my show. Well, we're never going to come see you again. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Okay, well. We only liked you for that one thing that you do. But uh, you know what? It was like eight minutes. And on top of that, John, just for fun, (laughs) just for your listeners here on the podcast, Gordon Lightfoot recently passed away. If you're not familiar, Gordon Lightfoot, Canadian, he had the song – the legend lives on from the ship on down mm-hmm. to the big lake they call Gichigumi. And here's the funny thing about that about that guy. <laughs> if you take any song and do it in Gordon Lightfoot's voice, it's hysterically funny, especially to Canadians. <laughs> so if you sing happy birthday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, you know, they, <laughs> because Gordon Lightfoot singing any song other any than song. the Gordon Lightfoot song is uh, is killer comedy for Canadians, just so you know. <laughs> and there you have it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, so we are. I don't think we fought, right? I don't think we disagreed. No, I thought we were going to. I thought when you. Yeah. I thought, well, you're going to want to. He's going to want to confront me on this. See, that's, that's probably too. my fault because I come across as uh, this. This is the second time in the last couple of days that somebody has said, "Hey, man, I'm just trying to." And it's like, oh, I guess I'm. I come across as like this guy who's ready to put up his dukes and fight. But I was really trying to be encouraging. I felt I read your letter and I thought, oh, Taylor and I need to have a conversation because he seems conflicted and he seems like he's like he's uh, sad about things. And so that was why I wanted to have you come on the podcast. So you wouldn't well, you be nailed sad. it. Yeah. I think you nailed it. I, I conflicted and sad. You know, you're always sad to drop <laughs> crowd pleasing bits and you're conflicted right. because as we've been talking about for 45 minutes, as you pointed out so succinctly and perfectly, we do this. We know what rocks. And a lot of times the lawyers are the people who are laughing the hardest at the lawyer jokes. Yeah, they so, are. Okay, fine. You know, they are. We're, I've had a, I've had a couple of things, and, and this is what we'll, this is what we can wrap up with. Um, I had a show that I did for a well-known uh, preacher, a preaching ministry, out in California, and they asked me to come and entertain their staff for Christmas party, and they said to my booking person, um, "We don't want him to do the uh, electronic cigarette because that will offend our staff." And I used to have a bit, a killer bit about smoking in church. And, uh, and so I said to the, to my girl, to my daughter, I said, just tell them that, um, 
that we don't operate that way. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm going to do it, but I but I want to have the option to do it. I mean, I don't like I don't like. I don't like the constraints because of that nine out of 10 times you're wrong about things. And so I want to have the option to go and see how the staff is working because what, what people don't understand is there's a rapport that you build up with the audience and you, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel oh, it. Yeah. You can oh, feel yeah. it when the audience is, when you have a relationship with the audience and you can literally, I mean, I don't want to say you can do no wrong, but you, but you have a lot of latitude once the audience and you are friends. And so I always want to leave the option open to, to do that bit. And so I went and I, and they said, okay, to their credit, they said, okay, we'll do it. But I didn't make a promise that I wasn't going to do the bit. So I got up there and I established and, and we were going and we were rocking and rolling and it was a great show. But I looked out at that audience. There was probably 150 people there on staff and they were mostly older people. Um, they were mostly, you know, older conservative people. And I thought, yeah, they're in this case, they're correct. The, the smoking bit will not work. Oh, I mean, it's not worth it. It's not worth doing it. I may get a few people that laugh, but there's going to be some people who are not going to understand why we're doing this. And what? so I just, so I just dropped it, but that's, that is experience. And that is, um, just, just being a pro. A pro, a pro knows what you can do and a pro knows what you're not supposed to do. And a pro also to dovetail into what you were talking about earlier, a pro also knows that there's going to be, when there's 20,000 people at the Pepsi Coliseum, there's going to be one person that's not going to like what you're doing. And, and a pro knows that. And I imagine the manager of the Pepsi uh, place knew that. And so, and I imagine Bill Gaither knows that. So I think so. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely say that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you, uh, you have to decide who you're going to offend. You're going to offend someone. <laughs> and be comfortable with that. Be right. comfortable with the fact that, okay, some people are just not going to, no matter how, you know, it's kind of like the one it's, it's for us. A lot of times you have a killer show, but there's that one guy in the crowd who sits cross-armed over mm-hmm. on the side, doesn't break a smile, right. the whole thing stares. And that's all you can think about. It's like, what's that wrong with guy. that guy? Yeah. Oh, man, if I could have just made him laugh, it would have been a successful night. But, oh, and you go to bed that night, and his face is still in your mind. Ah, oh, I didn't yeah. get that guy. That was a terrible show. Yeah, he sets the whole – he sets yeah. your standard for the entire month after that. So uh, thanks for this, Taylor. We, we will do it again sometime. John, anytime. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.